It's true. It really is the best news in the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. That's why we're here today. We're here to celebrate the fact that Jesus, just a little over 2,000 years ago, he came into this world and he came to bring the kind of joy that is real, it's powerful, it's indestructible. The joy that comes from Jesus will never end. If you're visiting with us today, we're super glad that you're here. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at Scripture and we're going to see where this joy comes from. And by December 25th, I I really believe the song Joy to the World will take on new meaning. And uh, I've always loved this song. In fact, I love Christmas songs in general. And it's, it's amazing how many different Christmas songs are out there. And with that in mind, I wanted to do something fun this morning. I, I just want to take a minute and, and do a quick survey. I want to know what your favorite Christmas songs are. So this survey will be pretty simple. I'm going to give you three songs, and then you decide which one of these three songs is your favorite, okay? By a show of hands, we'll go to round one. Three songs, Jingle Bells, Rudolph, and Feliz Navidad. So take just a second, pick your favorite, and then who says Jingle Bells is the best of those three? A few, not many. What about Rudolph? Pretty good showing for Rudolph. Feliz Navidad? Oh, yeah. Feliz Navidad wins. And, of course, this is personal preference, but Feliz Navidad was the correct answer. (laughs) We'll give you another chance, though. Round two. This time we've got Blue Christmas by Elvis Presley, All I Want for Christmas is You, Mariah Carey, and Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen. So who says Blue Christmas? (laughs) How about Mariah Carey? Okay, Bruce Springsteen. It's close. I might have to go with the boss on that one. And I told myself I would not criticize Mariah Carey fans, so we'll just move on to the third and final round. (laughs) This time we've got Christmas carols. They're actually about Jesus. So away in a manger, hark the herald angels sing and joy to the world. Who says away in a manger? Hark the herald and joy to the world. That one was pretty even. I don't know if I can pick a favorite, but like I said, this is personal preference. So thank you for participating in the Plum Creek Christmas Song Challenge. But as we dive into God's Word today, we're actually going to focus on one particular Christmas song. And surprisingly, it's not Joy to the World. We're going to look at a Christmas song that was written by Mary, the mother of Jesus. And it's a song of joy. And why do you think Mary sings this song of joy? Well, I'll tell you. She sings because she knows what Christmas is about. She knows that the birth of Jesus is good news for the whole world. This joy is available to absolutely everyone. It was true then and it's true now. But you know what? Many people in the world today are living without that joy. They live with a a sense of hopelessness or emptiness or despair. You probably know somebody like that. You might be someone like that. And if you are one of those people, a, a Christmas carol like Joy to the World, it means basically nothing. It's just words. 
In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, though, we see that Mary found the key to unlocking joy. We see it in a very important quote. Luke 1, verse 38, Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, of course, uh, we need to look at the context and the story around that statement. But for the moment, here's the basic idea. Mary is speaking to the angel, Gabriel, and she says, whatever God wants me to do, I'll do it. Even if it's difficult, even if it's scary, I am the servant of the Lord. My life is not my own. I belong to him. Now, there's a word for what Mary is doing here. It's the word surrender. And with that word, we we get to our big takeaway for today. It's the one thing we need to remember. Surrender to God leads to worship and joy. That's surrender. That's the key to unlocking joy. Now, why did Mary make that decision to surrender? Well, we need to go back and look at the story. And as we get started here, I have a question for you. When you think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, what's the first image that pops into your mind? Well, for me personally, I think about that classic nativity scene where you've got Mary and Joseph, you got the baby Jesus in the manger, you got a few animals hanging around, and it kind of looks like our nativity scene out back today. And by the way, I just have to thank everyone who helped pull that together. I want to thank Rob Powell and Honey Hill Farms for bringing out their animals. I have to thank the, the shepherds out there, and I've got to thank uh, Ben, Caitlin, and Tegan Raw for being Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on a cold morning. But this is the picture, right? This is how we often think of Mary. But this is not where the story begins. Mary's story begins over 700 years before the birth of Jesus. She shows up in a promise that God made. This promise was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. You can read about this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Here's what Isaiah said. Therefore... The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This verse is familiar to many of us. It's something you hear around Christmas time. It's a prophecy that points directly to Jesus. Jesus would be born of a virgin, that's Mary, and he would be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a name that means God with us. And that's exactly what happened when Jesus was born. God became flesh. He made his dwelling among us. He entered this world on a rescue mission. And eventually, Jesus would save his people from their sin. He would die on the cross, pay the penalty that we deserve to pay because of our sin. But before all of that happened, God chose Mary to be the mother of the Savior of the world. In Luke chapter 1, Mary learns about this God-given calling from an angel named Gabriel. Gabriel uh, appears to Mary, and he says, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive, you will bear a very special son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now, many scholars believe that Mary was about 15 years old at this time. And at the point when Gabriel appeared, Mary was already spoken for. 
She was betrothed. She was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. So this is a teenage girl looking forward to her wedding. And this announcement must have sounded crazy. I mean, she's not even old enough to drive yet, but somehow she's supposed to give birth to the Son of God, and then she has to raise him. That would have been so intimidating and a little disturbing. Mary says, okay, hold on, Mr. Angel. How exactly is this, pre- this pregnancy going to happen? You know I'm a virgin, right? And Gabriel says, well... This this won't happen the normal way. God is about to perform a miracle here. This birth will be supernatural. So what does Mary do with all this? Well, she has a decision to make. She can surrender and submit to God's plan, or she can try to run for the hills. Either way, though, we need to understand she's in a very difficult position here. Remember, Mary was betrothed. And betrothal at that time was uh, more binding than an engagement is today. Betrothal could only be broken by death or by divorce. Betrothal could last up to a year and sexual relations were not permitted until after the wedding. So if Mary showed up pregnant, this would be a major scandal. And think about it from Joseph's perspective. Joseph was well aware of what he and Mary had not done, so naturally he's going to assume that she cheated on him. But then that's not all. According to Leviticus 20, verse 10, an adulteress was supposed to be stoned. Mary could literally die because of this pregnancy. But even if she wasn't killed... Single women in that culture did not have much in the way of job opportunities, especially if you're someone with a sketchy past. So we got to sympathize with her here. Her future was very uncertain. It was scary. So like I said, this teenage girl, she had a very difficult choice to make. But as we've already seen, Mary had a strong faith. And because of her faith, she said... I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I surrender, submit to your plan. My life is yours. From there, everything progresses just as God said it would. Mary becomes pregnant, and naturally she wants to avoid all of those negative ramifications I just mentioned, so she takes off. She travels from Nazareth, her hometown, down to Judea. Now, Judea was about 50 to 70 miles away from Nazareth, so that journey would have taken her three to four days. Mary's plan was to stay with a relative named Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth was an older woman, probably over 60 years old at this time, and she had experienced a miraculous pregnancy of her own. In her older years, God chose her to be the mother of John the Baptist. And when Mary walks into Elizabeth's house, God inspires Elizabeth to say, Mary, God has blessed you above all women. He's blessed your child as well. And God blessed you because you have believed that what he said will happen will happen. And guess what happens next? 
That's when Mary breaks into this song of joy, the song we're talking about today. Now, the truth is, I'm not actually 100% sure this was a song. I don't know if Mary was a singer. This may have been more of a poem. But either way, it doesn't really matter. The point is, our big takeaway plays out in Mary's life. Surrender to God leads to worship and to joy. So I want to read through this song, and depending on your church background, you, you may have heard that this song has a name. It's called the Magnificat. And obviously, uh, Magnificat, that's not a, a word that we normally use. It's, it's, a, it's a Latin word, and it comes from the first line of this song, Luke 1.46. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. So we don't normally use a word like magnificat, but we don't talk about, we don't talk like this either, do we? Uh, if I come home and my wife says, hey, how was your day? I'm, I'm not going to say, well, it was a pretty good day. My, my soul magnified the Lord today. We don't talk like that. But you know what I can relate to? I can relate to a magnifying glass. That makes sense. I understand the purpose of a magnifying glass. You hold it up to something, and whatever it is that you see there, the image gets bigger. It, it helps you see things that you wouldn't have seen before. And that's exactly what Mary is doing with this song. From the deepest part of her soul, she puts up a magnifying glass to God, and she magnifies or enlarges specific characteristics that he has. She highlights God's unfathomable greatness. And how does she do it? Well, she holds up this magnifying glass in two ways. Number one, she looks at Scripture. And number two, she looks at her own life. And through the lens of Scripture and her own experience, she finds all kinds of reasons to praise God it's true. She had lots of reasons to worry. Her, her future was very uncertain. It was scary. But she traded worry for worship. And that worship led to joy. That's what we see in the next verse. Mary says, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So as we imagine Mary singing or speaking these words, we should picture her with a great big smile on her face. She's full of joy. So I want to go back and read this song in its entirety. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me, or you can also read it up on the screen. Luke 1, verses 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So what do you think? Do you like this song? Would you put it right up there with Feliz Navidad and Joy to the World? 
Well, I'll tell you what, I, I try to be as honest as possible when I'm up here preaching. And the honest truth is, I'm not a fan of poetry. If you take poetic lyrics and put them with a good melody, I can usually hang with that. But if I'm just reading a poem, I kind of struggle. But the reality is, a lot of the Bible is like this. Many of the Psalms were originally put to music, but we don't have those original melodies. All we have is the lyrics. So reading through the book of Psalms, it's, it's kind of like reading a book of poetry. Over the years, though, here's what I've learned. If you take the time to look closely at a passage like this, the words come alive. That's what happens with the Magnificat. The truth is, it's an amazing song. In fact, it's so good, some say that Mary couldn't have possibly written it. I mean, she's just a simple peasant girl, and this song is anything but simple. From a literary standpoint, especially if you go back to the original Greek, uh, people who know about these things say it's extremely well written. Then from a spiritual standpoint, it's even more impressive. Mary's theology is strong, it's accurate, it's well thought out. In fact, there are 30 different words or phrases here where Mary quotes the Old Testament. And that's why some folks say, it's hard for me to believe this. It's hard to, for me to believe that Mary walks into Elizabeth's house. She hears Elizabeth say, blessed are you among women. And then all of a sudden, just instantly, she busts out with this song. And yeah, it kind of sounds like something a Disney princess would do in a movie. But here's the thing. It's quite reasonable to believe that Mary knew Scripture very well. As a, as a young Jewish girl, she, she grew up going to the synagogue every week. So she would have heard the Torah and the prophets read again and again. And we've already seen that she had a very strong faith. So it makes sense that she grew to love Scripture as she grew to love God. Then a commentary I read made another good point. The Bible doesn't say that Mary wrote this song on the spot. Remember that three- to four-day journey from Nazareth down to Judea? That was plenty of time for Mary to write a great song. Even more importantly, though, we should remember that God can do whatever He wants whenever He wants. He could have instantly given Mary that song, just like He put a child in Mary's womb in an instant. And by the way, if, if you're someone who has trouble believing that the virgin birth happened, it's really no different than what God did when He made people. He created human life. I mean, he, he created this whole universe out of nothing. So after that miracle, anything else is a piece of cake. At the end of the day, though, we should remember the purpose of this song. Mary uses that metaphorical magnifying glass to focus on several great attributes of God. So let's back up very quickly and, and identify just a few things that we learn about God here. First, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. What does that mean? It means God deserves my worship. And then she says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's another way of saying God brings me joy. And then check out that next line. He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And what does that mean? Well, she's saying, 
God sees me and he knows me. And that's such an amazing truth that God saw Mary. He knew her better than she knew herself. And guess what? The same thing is true of you today. God sees you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Look at what Mary said next. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Right here, she's referring to the the calling that God has put on her life. Mary says, God chose me for a great purpose. I get to be the mother of the Son of God. Now, was that terrifying? Sure. But was it also an amazing privilege that she got to play such an important role in God's plan? Absolutely. And then Mary says, His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, this is a profound statement. We could spend all day unpacking this one sentence, but the basic idea is this. God shows us mercy when we don't deserve it. Jesus made this possible when he went to the cross. He took our place. He paid the penalty that we deserve to pay, the penalty of death. And because of that, We can receive God's mercy, His grace, when we turn to Him in faith and and give our lives to Him and surrender. Next, Mary kind of shifts gears and she talks about God's justice. God brings down the proud and He lifts up the humble. And then finally, she concludes this song by pointing out God's faithfulness to the nation of Israel and to the descendants of Abraham. She says, God has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And with this statement, she's saying, God keeps his promises to his people. And this one is especially cool when you know some of the backstory. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, God made an amazing promise to Abraham. God said, Abraham, you will be a great nation. You will be a great blessing to my people. But that promise wasn't just about the nation of Israel. God also said, Abraham, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Not just God's chosen people of Israel, all peoples on earth. And where do you think that blessing would come from? It would come from one of Abraham's descendants. It would come in the form of a baby named Jesus. In other words, joy to the world. The Lord has come. It's actually very powerful, isn't it? Mary's song is beautiful and powerful, and it's also true. And it's true not just for Mary and her situation. It's still true today. The characteristics of God have never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you turn to God in faith and trust, these truths will show up in your life. And then you can say, along with Mary, God deserves my worship. God brings me joy. God sees me and he knows me. He shows us mercy when we don't deserve it. He's chosen me for a great purpose. God brings down the proud. He lifts up the humble. He keeps his promises to his people. 
when I look at that list, it reminds me of our big takeaway for today. How did Mary get to that place where she was ready to magnify God with this song? It was about surrender, right? Surrender to God leads to worship and to joy. Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's surrender. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. That's worship. She said, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. That's joy. And please remember, this isn't some old story. This is real. This can happen in your life. So for just a moment, think about this. How is God calling you to surrender today? Is, is he calling you to take some step that requires faith? I'm confident that he is. I want to close by giving you a real-life example of what we're talking about today. There's a young woman in our church uh, named Kirkland, and she's seen this truth play out in her life. So let's hear some of her story. My outlook on life before, you know, God called me to something bigger, it kind of all started the year of 2021. Um, when I thought I had my life planned out, I thought that, you know, everything was set and put together and I didn't have to worry about anything and did not work out that way. Um, you know, everything was kind of swept out from underneath me and, um, I kind of felt lost after that and confused on what God wanted me to do and where he was leading me. What made me decide to go on the trip to Guatemala kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I got a call from a fellow member of Plum Creek and they asked me if, you know, I had thought about going or wanted to go and you know I, I was kind of like well let me let me pray on it let me think about it and I immediately called my mom and I was like so I was just asked to go to Guatemala do you think I should go or what should I do and she kind of you know told me to take this opportunity to let God really work in you and open your eyes and heart. You never know what he could be, you know, doing. Maybe he is, you know, setting something into place to clear things up for you, um, to clear your mind and show you the path that he wants you on. My experience in Guatemala was overwhelming with joy and love. Um, I experienced so many amazing things on that trip, um, but what really stood out to me was how God used me in ways that were unexpected. Um, I got to use my skills, my artistic skills, um, in ways that I didn't even think would be possible. I put up a mural on the sidewall um, of this church and I thought to myself after I did it, I was like, wow, like, that is amazing. It was, it was pretty cool to see. 
um, after Guatemala, my life has been completely different. I feel like a completely different person, honestly. I felt renewed. I felt um, this passion that I hadn't felt in a long time. Being able to pursue um, the calling that God has placed upon me. Um, I don't know exactly what that calling looks like, but he's definitely pushing me and pushing me towards um, some kind of missions and being able to pursue that. I mean, it, it gives you such joy to be able to, um, you know, really feel like you have a sense of purpose and um, you're, you know, affecting others and making a difference. And if you are on the fence about accepting, you know, God's calling, I really urge you to jump in all the way. Do not hesitate because it will change your life. Did you, did you notice where Kirkland mentioned that joy? She said, my experience in Guatemala was overwhelming in joy and love. And she also said, it gives you joy to have a sense of purpose. So it, it's real. And you know, uh, Kirkland hasn't looked back since that trip. Uh, these days, she volunteers in our student ministry, works with high school girls. And this week, Jimmy told me she's been doing a great job. She really connects with those girls. And God continues to use her. But back to you. How is it that God is calling you today? Where is he calling you to surrender? It's somewhere. Maybe, like Kirkland, he's, he's leading you to go on a mission trip. And next summer, Plum Creek is sending a team to Honduras. If you're interested in that, you can go to plumcreek.org slash Honduras and learn more or sign up for the trip. Or maybe God is calling you to take a very small step in the very near future, coming up uh, December 15th, that Thursday night, Grants Lake Elementary School is performing the Nutcracker right here in this room, right up on this stage. And this is a great opportunity for us to be good hosts and good neighbors, but we need help to do that. And if you'd like to volunteer, you can sign up at plumcreek.org slash Nutcracker. That's in your bulletin. It could be, though, that God is calling you to take a step that maybe you didn't expect to take. Maybe you're visiting here today. Maybe you came to see kids sing or to see a camel. But maybe God is leading you to find out more about how you could get connected here. Like Jimmy said, you could take that little guest card, bring it back to the Connection Cafe, and that would be the first step in, in getting connected. Or maybe... God is leading you to take that first big step of faith where you surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe God is leading you to turn away from your old life and be baptized into Christ and, and begin a new life that's not about you, a new life that's all about Jesus. Later today, we have several people being baptized here and you could take that same step. If you want to talk to someone about following Jesus, I'll be right down at the front of the stage here. You could also talk to someone at the cafe. But however God is leading you, 
wherever he's calling you to surrender, I encourage you to take that step. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for Mary. I thank you for her simple but strong faith that she was willing to say yes to you. And Lord, sometimes we struggle to do that for lots of different reasons. Sometimes we're intimidated. Sometimes we just want to do things our own way. So Lord, help us see that it's always the best thing to surrender to you, to live lives of worship. That, that kind of life brings us joy. We know that from your word. And so I pray for that for every person here, for every person listening. Lord, I thank you for the good things you do in us and through us when we allow you to do that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and worship together.